this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, it's Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today I'm joined by Conrad Buckle. Um, Conrad's not a health and safety professional, although he is studying uh, some qualifications at the moment. Conrad works um, as a consultant in A&E, and we chat about, I suppose, what it's like to be on the receiving end of, uh, you know, a significant issue, a workplace accident or a significant event. Um, so I'd love to welcome Conrad. Conrad, it's it is so nice to uh, to sort of meet you. Um, unfortunately, your camera's not working, so um, so I can't actually see you in the flesh. But um, oh, that's fine. It, yeah, it's re- it's really nice. Thanks, thanks for reaching out and uh, you know and just telling us a little bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for the benefit of the listeners, could you um could you just tell us you know who you are, what you do? Mm-hmm. Yes, hi. Uh, yeah, so my, my name is Conrad Buckle. I'm a I'm a consultant in emergency medicine. I'm an A and E consultant. So um, I, I work in the part of the hospital that receives individuals who are acutely ill or injured uh, when they have incidents in their workplaces or homes or other leisure activity areas. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, as I I said, about 20 years as a consultant, and uh, I've just found it interesting over the years, the particular category of of, uh, people who who have uh, incidents which have guidance from the health and safety executive and their workplaces in terms of things to do to prevent accidents, injuries, uh, or illnesses. And then one way or the other, they end up. Um, so I've gotten used to asking about, you know, what what was supposed to have been done to prevent certain instances. Um, and uh, I just found it interesting in, in the last year or so to take on board some formal some formal uh, certification and training, um, and and that's it. I, I mean, I, I've I've listened to some of your some podcasts online, particularly yours, Colin, and uh, I just found that apart apart from the technical bits, there's a lot of uh, interesting content that is applicable to the emergency department oh. as with, as with any organization. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, firstly, thanks a lot for listening. Um, mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're a, there's, a, there's a few of you out there to do, so that's absolutely, uh, that's absolutely wonderful. You know, and it's really, you know, it's it's really great to um to actually, you know, get somebody that that is just you know started out as a as a listener on the on the podcast and then uh, and actually get them onto the show. So you know, I'm really I'm really pleased to do that. And, and I think one of the things I was really impressed with about Conrad is you know. You, there you are, you know, doing your doing your role, you know, A and E, which is a you know a pretty a pretty stressful uh, um, sort of pastime, but not pastime mm-hmm. career. Yeah. Uh, but there you are, looking to actually further yourself, you know, do your do your your um, I think it's a um, a diploma that you're doing at the moment, you know, and you know, really really good luck with that, mate. You know, I really hope that that's, uh, that works out. Yep, thank you. But what I was um, you know, what I was really interested in, because you know, when you when you said you'd like to come on and have a chat, so you know, and you mentioned a bit about emergency planning and some of the stuff you do within your department from emergency planning but I, I wanted to also just talk a bit about you know just I suppose you know what what can what can businesses do to make things easier for you if somebody has had an incident somebody has had an accident because you know and I wouldn't mind you just maybe just talking a little bit about 
about the whole process that you go through when when somebody comes into you know into the department you know and how you go about you know finding out what it is that's happened to them and and i think you know if we if we can you know ultimately you know help you by being a little bit more prepared um you know because things do go wrong and they, and they probably always will yeah that'd be that'd be really cool you know so you know so i mean you know what what is it that um you know what are the really important things that you that you have to deal with when when somebody first comes through the door okay obviously the uh, the most important things we have to deal with are life threatening or critical um situations where the injury is is so bad or the exposure to some chemical or, or other, um, you know, hazardous substance, you know, means they have to come in rushed by ambulance, in which case we will receive them in the resuscitation area, um, get a team around them, you know, have multiple doctors, nurses uh, involved. Um, and obviously, if it's a trauma case where there are multiple injuries, then, you know, we have uh, various scans and x-rays to do we have uh, various emergency procedures to do and quite often we have to transfer them to a a, a more advanced a, a trauma center for continuing care so that th those are the the critical instances for those where people are exposed to you know uh, ca dangerous chemicals um you know they may need to go to the intensive care unit uh for specialist uh, treatment you know uh, sometimes they have antidotes uh, to be given. Sometimes they have uh, special machines where, you know, the, the blood has to be passed through to remove, uh, you know, toxins or normalize it. Uh, so th that's, th th that's the true, true emergencies. Now, the average individual who, a person who walks or is accompanied to the department is just like anyone, you know, from home or from their office. But, uh, you know, they will usually obviously be able to tell us what happened and and it's basically all you have to do is answer the questions that we ask you but where there is specialist knowledge which is required uh, then one of the most helpful things that a lot of uh, individuals and workplaces do is uh, the the person coming in from the workplace uh, usually has a, um, you know a hazard sheet regarding whatever they were exposed to um, particularly with chemicals and, and other substances. And that's very useful because we, 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 that is taken into account. And we often communicate with the National Poisons database if necessary, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, getting a better idea of the, the risks. Um, now, most of these information sheets, chemical information sheets actually include, um, you know, what to do when certain symptoms arise and and, and even contact numbers uh, where necessary. So we, we find that all very useful information. Um, sometimes, you know, this information isn't brought along and, and you know, we have to, you know, call the workplace to email or fax across a copy or, mm -hmm. or give us an exact, the exact name of a particular substance or chemical that somebody was, was exposed to. Now for injuries, um, you know, in the same way, we ask your average person whether they were wearing a seatbelt when when involved in a car accident. Um, you know, there's simple things like, you know, um, I'm, I might not know, but I, I would usually ask if there's an eye injury, whether whether the workplace normally requires protective eye equipment. Mm -hmm. If it's a, if it's a you know a foot injury, you know, I might ask whether they're supposed to be were they wearing regular shoes or trainers or 
where they're wearing, uh, you know, uh, you know, appropriate work boots because you can you can get an idea of the type of injury underneath clothing or or footwear uh, if it is the recommended protective uh, gear or not. So if if you're not wearing the right footwear and and you know something has run over the foot or falling on it the chances of a more serious injury are higher and and i wouldn't be surprised if i saw something significant on an x-ray for example or uh, or if there was a you know an a, a patch of redness on the hand or the skin and normally you're supposed to be wearing gloves and and you weren't wearing gloves then again you know the chances of the chemicals being absorbed into the body and side effects are more likely than than if you were wearing the recommended protective gear. Mm. Um, so, so I mean, you, you mentioned about chemicals there, and um, you know, I can remember a, a few years ago. It's, it's a it's a little story that I've spoken about on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but about a guy that got covered in bitumen on a site, and yep. mm-hmm. uh, and he went to an accident emergency. And to be fair, they'd never seen it before. You mm-hmm. know that you know they'd not come across this kind of this kind of injury, and so they started to try and peel the stuff off, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that could have been a lot worse. So. Getting that from a chemical perspective, getting that information is really, really important. Yes, and, you know, and so for business, you know, if there's been if there's been chemicals involved, having that information, accompanying the person that's going to to hospital is really important. You, you one thing you mentioned just before we came on, you know, you said that, that you know, in actual fact, things like first aiders, you know, biz- businesses are are you know the, a lot better than they maybe they used to be because they've got first aiders, mm-hmm. and so they're coming they're coming with a little bit of information as well. Is that uh, are you finding that that's uh, that's happening more now? Exactly, exactly. Now, now some of the the top end uh, organizations actually, uh, you know, provide, you know, well, basically a written referral of sorts. You know, they have they they they've got their documentation and uh, you know a copy accompanies the the employee, which will state that you know X Y Z happened at this time in this manner, and this was the first aid given. And, and and that is actually very useful information, especially if if they're coming in by themselves. Now, obviously, when we receive individuals by the ambulance service, the, the paramedics write their notes and they give their summary and hand it over. So if someone is coming by, you know, private or company transport and it is somebody who's uh, well versed in first aid or involved could summarize that, um, including, you know, giving the relevant technical information or, or, you know, hazard, hazard information, uh, that's very, very uh, helpful. So a lot of, a lot of companies, you know, obviously by legislation, they have to provide it. Uh, but, uh, you know, most of them have very enthusiastic, active first aiders who do a, a really good job uh, of doing what needs to be done in the first few minutes after particularly chemical injuries and, and sometimes injuries involving uh, fire or or uh, which cause bleeding mm-hmm. yeah and it's um you know it's, i mean it's really it's really interesting there what you're saying you know because there's you know i know that there's it's it's a little bit harder to get an ambulance to attend nowadays to a yeah. site, you know yes. and so so there's more likelihood that that that's um that people could be actually transported to hospital in a company or a private vehicle so really what we're saying is that is is, is if somebody's going to get transported the person that's doing the transporting really needs to have a little bit of information that they can then pass on to A and E when they, uh, you know, when they turn up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly injuries, 
injuries or scenarios where the face is involved you can you can imagine that somebody who's had an injury to the face you know the lips the mouth the teeth that you know might find it difficult to speak for themselves mm-hmm. um and and yeah it's it's helpful if whoever is accompanying them um you know has a has a good good is well versed in what happened and and what was done to begin with so that we can then continue uh off the the first day that was initially done mm. now obviously you know when when something's gone wrong on site then then people are you know they're hopefully not in panic mode but you know they are they're, they're definitely a little bit um more heightened their uh you know their 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 approach to things and so you know what we're what we're not saying to people is is you know that you you know you you've got to write a document and you've got to have a an, an, a report to take with you i think what we're really saying here is that you know just try and be aware of of who it is that's going to go with the person to the hospital and just you know try and send the person that's going to be of most benefit to the people at the other end yes ex- exactly exactly nah brilliant so when you um you know how do you how do you go about um protecting your own people then in the in the in in the workplace if there has been some some chemicals that have been involved what is it uh you know what is it that you do you do your end from an assessment perspective right so um you know emergency medicine or planning is is almost uh sometimes it needs to be thought about in terms of a, a chess game you need to think you know two steps as to what might have led to what happened and then you need to think two steps ahead as to what might go wrong if the current situation is not assessed properly. So in terms of prevention, um, the first thing is to prevent our staff from coming in contact with dangerous substances or unknown substances. So um, there's a there's a one, two, three, uh, you know, sort of formula which the pre-hospital people use where if, uh, if the story is one person unwell or affected at a scene, it could be, you know, something normal. If it's two people, you have to ask yourself the question, is it some some poison or some gas in the air? Mm-hmm. If it's three or more people, then definitely uh, the, the, the pre-hospital, that's the police, the ambulance, um, uh, you know, will need to take extra precautions or wait, make sure that there's not any, so that they don't get affected at the scene. Now, if anything happens, and they're bringing them the the paramedics obviously would use appropriate PPE, so gloves gowns etc and they would tell the hospital ahead of time mm-hmm. uh, and for the more serious um, uh, contaminations uh, quite often the fire service is involved and they do a decontamination at the site so they would they would send their fire appliances to the site set up a tent and basically hose down the affected individual or individuals before they get transported to hospital. So we actually are quite insulated at the hospital end. Mm-hmm. And it's our it's our pre-hospital colleagues, the police, the fire service, ambulance, who, who get the brunt of the, the major serious uh, contaminating issues. Now, when they get to hospital, um, you know, we, we do have if, if somebody comes from the from home or from a smaller a company or organization um, and they just present out of the blue uh, you know we try to keep them away from the main area and most departments have a decontamination protocol uh, where you know a tent of is set up 
um, you know, we have suits, hazard suits, which protect, um, you know, staff. And then we go in, wash them down, clean them off, um, all the while communicating with the poisons unit, NHS England, um, you know, the, any, the chemical companies involved um, to make sure that everybody is kept safe and, and, and everything is contained. So the, the water, everything used to clean off affected people is all contained and, and it has to be disposed of mm-hmm. safely. So it's, a, it's quite a big process. Even if it's just one person, it can, it can significantly shut down or affect most of the normal running of the department because you then have to divide the department into hot zones and cold zones and, 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 and uh, you know, some, if it's a small department, the whole department might need to be shut down. Mm. So you don't, you know, so interesting in this because you know there's there's a couple of things that you've said that that I hadn't really thought about before, you know, and about you know about the emergency services themselves, you know, becoming becoming uh, um, you know vic- victims almost. Uh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, does, yeah. does that happen a lot? Then does that is that federal? Uh, well, again, again, uh, in ho- the hospital hospital based uh, teams like ourselves, you know, most of the the stuff is done out in the community by, by, you know, the fire service and the ambulance service. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are some for, for inhaled, you know, toxic uh, uh, fumes, for example, which are inhaled. One mm-hmm. of the things that people have to be aware of is that, you know, when, if somebody has had something go into their body and, and part of it is being coming out through their breath, then it means that, Technically, staff who come in and out of contact with them can be exposed to whatever is coming out of them in the in the air, in the vicinity, mm-hmm. in the cubicle. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, then you then you then have to talk about you know ventilation systems, which you know which sort of suck the the air in one direction and 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 minimize the contamination of of the whole area. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be quite. An, an involved process to to manage certain certain situations but again our, our pre-hospital colleagues have to take the brunt of the credit for this because uh, uh, and and the organizations most most organizations have uh, you know you know fairly decent systems to to identify and shut you know cordon off and shut things down when there are leakages and spillages um, but then uh, the the fire service is the service which usually deals with mopping up and containing and cleaning up, mm-hmm. um, and then the ambulance service is available as soon as they're they're cleared for transport to mm-hmm. transport them to the nearest hospital. Mm. So so you know there's a there's there's a really important role then isn't there for somebody within the ANE department to be making to have it be having that liaison with the people um that are out are out on the scene and transferring people to uh to the department yeah. but also when people arrive you know you know because you know if an if an A&E department I mean I, I live near Peterborough mm-hmm. um you know you know if that if that A&E department um had to be isolated that would just cause absolute mayhem in the yeah. whole in the whole Peterborough area, so exactly. So how? So how? You know, how is there? Is there one individual or a number of individuals that are making calls? You know, when when these these emergencies are, are, are pre warned, I suppose. You know, how does how does that? Is it a team of you that's working together, or is it is it people in isolation that are having to make big decisions? Yeah. So there there there's twenty four hours. The the senior members 
of each 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 uh, area uh, are involved in the decision making. So there there'll be a senior doctor in charge of the department involved, a senior nurse, um, and then from the ambulance side, they usually appoint one of their team, uh, you know, to to act as a liaison between the hospital and wherever the incident has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, in an extreme case, you know, you have a, a major incident declared if it's a, a big, let's say there's an explosion or a massive leak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the kind of things that, you, you know, you hear, you know, you know, breaking news reports on, on, the, on the news or the radio and people, yep. are, people are told to avoid, you know, and the police will direct traffic in certain way. But those are the major, major, um, you know, uh, incidents. Uh, but for one-off involving a couple of people, that usually will cause a local incident and again uh we, we are used to organizing ourselves in the emergency department into into having a, a clear idea of declaring certain areas hot which means high risk areas mm-hmm. and then and then graduating to, to to the cold or normal areas and 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 they get you know we have cones we have tapes to to cordon off areas and then there's a chain of communication which goes from the emergency department right through to the rest of the hospital, um, including the chief executive of, of, you know, moderate to major incidents so that uh, the, the, the rest of the hospital is not exposed or at risk from what has come to the emergency department. Mm, okay, okay, I get that. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, when something when something big happens, then there's a, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people that are getting involved that are making decisions to, uh, exactly. you know, to keep, it, to keep yeah. it open. These these hot these hot areas then, and these these cold areas that you, you've mentioned about. I mean, to 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 set these things up and to maintain them, you know, people people need to know what to do. And I think you know one of my experiences in in business is is getting businesses to do to do drills and to practice mm-hmm. is pretty is pretty difficult and mm-hmm. you know and almost almost non-existent and a lot of the businesses i work in i think as as the risk gets higher probably people take it a little bit more seriously but uh, the majority of businesses i work in do very very little uh mm-hmm. do very little um, drills what's yeah. it like within within the department like yourself i mean is it is it really slick or you know i mean do you, do you practice a lot or how, how do you how do yeah. you get the top? it's uh at the middle to senior level uh, staff that the senior nurses and doctors uh you know will there there are legal requirements you know at least uh, you know once once a year or or thereabouts to have uh, you know local area uh, tabletop exercises mm-hmm. um and then uh within the hospital every every for the doctors every Every new intake, which is a twice a year, you know, February, August, usually, um, there's an induction for the new doctors and new staff, um, and 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 the hospital itself, you know, at least directs people to where they can find information on the internet. But for the department itself, um, you know, most departments will run, you know, one or a couple of, you know, at 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 worst, you know, small tabletop exercises amongst the key people who need who need to be aware and who need to know and at senior level um there is an expectation that at least one there is one dedicated uh, consultant or senior nurse who is specifically trained or has taken on some additional training or trained the trainer type of training so that they can pass on information on managing you know chemical radiation nuclear incidents mm-hmm. uh, or, or or similar so um it's 
I mean, I've I've listened to some of your talks and and others on on the sub similar subjects for for business, and it's not really much different. If you if you think about uh, the hospital being a business or the emergency department, similarly, um, you know, they have to legally, you know, have contingencies for you know any and all uh, incidents that would put patients or staff at risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. No. So it's um you know you know practice. I think practice is uh is a big part of it. But I think you know it's, you know it's it, I would have thought you know over the over the last couple of years, especially with uh with the impact that the the pandemic has had on the uh on the on A and E, it's probably been quite difficult to 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 get these uh to get these drills, get this practice done. Or I mean, I don't. I'm tr- I'm not trying to put words into your mouth. I'm just trying to <laughs> look at it from the outside. Yeah. You know, well, um, well, you, the, you guys have been under some pressure, haven't you? Yes, we. They, oh, there's been significant pressure, and, and you know, we still have to remain, uh, you know, diligent because the the risks, uh, there are still unknown risks uh, in terms of you know, the the virus, you know, mutating into something else or something else coming on the horizon. But I mean, the 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 practice being ready for the unknown. It's not about knowing what the unknown is. You you basically mm-hmm. where you you basically work on your known systems and processes for one of the keys is communication. So people have to be comfortable with the lines on and chains of command and communication. And and then and then, you know, uh in terms of chains of command, people being aware of right, if I'm on, on duty and something happens, this is the person I report to or these are the people that I look after. And that is at the base level, that is the minimum requirement for efficient management of, of any situation. So the uh, the last couple of years of COVID have basically kept people on their toes because literally you've had people coming in very unwell. And until we've done, you know, the relevant, you know, COVID tests, et cetera, to confirm, we have to assume that they could be positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if we didn't know, we still have to maintain, uh, you know, uh, standard PPE and extra precautions where necessary in order to protect other patients and, and staff. So um, it's actually reinforced a lot of departments' uh, preparedness because uh, on a daily basis, uh, especially in the early days of the pandemic, you know, uh, there was there were a lot of unknowns and, and people needed you know, to uh, to be aware and comfortable with the different procedures for isolating and managing um, unwell patients. Mm. I just want to go back to something you said there because I think it's, it's such a great, great line. And let's, I hope I've got it right, okay? Mm-hmm. So being ready for the unknown is not about knowing what the unknown is, you know, but it's about trusting your systems, trusting your processes. And I just thought, I thought that was absolutely superb. Did I get that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and that is, you know, and that is, that is so, you know, I think there's so much that, that health and safety professionals can take from that. I mean, we're often, you know, in the workplace, you know, when we're, when we're doing risk assessments, when we're doing safe systems of work, when we're, we're trying to help businesses plan work, we're almost trying to plan for every single eventuality. Yeah. And, and we don't actually know what they are. You know, you, yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't know everything. No, you can't no. know everything. So, yeah. I love that, you know. Being yeah. ready for the unknown is not about knowing what the unknown is. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down again. <laughs> and I love that. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. I really well, well thank you for, uh, for <laughs> yeah, having, yeah. having me come up with that. No, but, but <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it does it does make you you know, people you mentioned at the beginning when we were speaking before we went on, oh, it must be stressful, you know, working in the you know emergency environment. But part of the the way the re, the way I and others are able to go in day in out day in the mindset of your your typical emergency service personnel, fire, police, ambulance, A and E, is we, we have to find a way of you know, being able to actually relax and be comfortable in knowing that a worst case scenario could be coming in through the door or happen in five minutes time. Yeah. But we, we don't know what's going to happen, but we are very content and happy in knowing that if it should happen, I, I, I know step one, step two, step three, and I have confidence and faith that my colleagues will do what they have to do and the people that they get in touch with know what they have to do. And then collectively, we can manage the situation until we know exactly what we're dealing with. And if we have a solution, we, we you know, we apply it. And if we don't have a solution, we work on it whilst we're managing to keep things ticking along. So I'm, I'm very happy most of the time not knowing <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's coming up. That's really, I mean, that is really, that's really cool. I really love that. I love, yeah. I love the way you've, you've explained that. Yeah. There was something else you said right at the start of this and, you know, and you say, look, somebody, somebody comes through the, uh, through the door and all of a sudden there's a load of people that's working on them. And then you may then have to transfer it to, to somewhere else, you know, some intensive care or something like that. How do you, how do you know what your, what your limitations are? How, how do you know when you, you don't know that you can do any more with this particular person or you need some help or su support? Again, who is it in the chain that's making that call and or, you know, or is it a number of people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and you know, and, and, and how do you know when and where to refer it to? Yeah. So so again, um, prevention is is better than 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 cure and and planning ahead and preparation is, is also um a, a trait so rather than wait for those situations which you can think of to happen uh, most most hospitals or most networks actually plan ahead so we know for example in the peterborough area that if anything isn't able to be handled by peterborough then maybe adam brooks might be you know the, at the top level but yep. you don't you don't want to wait until it gets very very bad you know at the earliest sign of the possibility somebody needs so communication again is very very key so at the very earliest sign you need to ring ahead and and get that um you know get the possibility of a transfer or, or you know you know mm -hmm. communicated so you know in terms of who makes the decision it's usually the most senior uh you know individuals and usually the, it's a it's a small group of senior individuals so it's not just the doctor uh, you know, they, they, they usually are in, 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 you know, closely in contact with the senior uh, nurse. And then there may be some other specialty colleagues involved, you know, the surgical team, you know, upset, you know, gynae. Uh, but, you know, if you're talking about uh, injuries, then it's probably orthopedics. But for major incidents, um, there's also an executive management team. So the, 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 the hospital you know, management team on duty, uh, when something is triggered, you know, everybody goes into, you know, disaster or, or incident management mode. And, and as I said, people know 
the, the foundations of how to manage it as and they, they, they adapt as they, as more and more information comes in. So it's all about primarily communication. So communication, communication, communication. But before that, when there hasn't been an incident, it is plan, prepare, practice as much as possible. Um, and, and at senior level, that is what we do when people think we're sitting there having a cup of tea. <laughs> sure. No, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, because because yeah. most of, most of the staff, it's it's like running yeah. a business. As yeah. the managing director or CEO, your job is to think strategically, um, and then you have your staff, you know, producing the product, selling the pro- product, marketing the product. Mm-hmm. But somebody has to think about what happens if one part of the the system isn't working, and then facilitates the management of that situation. And that's that's what happens at uh, at uh, middle and senior management. So how do you, um, you know, how how frequently then and how often are you reviewing how well you're doing? You know, I mean, do you, do you on a case-by-case basis, you know, say, oh, we, you know, we, we, we referred that person forward just at the right time or <laughs> we could have done it a bit sooner or we were a, bit, a little bit late with that one? I mean, you probably can't do it on an individual case basis. But, I mean, is, are, there any, are there any ways or processes that you have to, to, actually, to actually monitor that? Yeah, so um, there's a there's a concept from industry which is, you know, adapted a, a, while, a while back in in, uh, in in emergency care and acute care, which is uh, the after action review. I, I'm sure you're familiar. Um, uh, this is you know you ask you know you know what what were you expecting? What actually happened? Why did it happen? Uh, what is the learning or what could be done differently? Um, and this 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 is. A sort of a, a debriefing um, process, which can be done on a case by case basis. That's after major cases. So normally you would do a hot, a hot debrief with, with the, where you'd gather the staff involved if they are available, um, and then you everybody catches their breath and and then you just have a talk around, and then you can have more formal. So where where there is a need to review pathways and policies. Um, you know, if it's a health and safety situation, for example, the, the, the organization's health and safety manager would, would take it up with their team and then take statements and, and do a bit of investigating around the situation and then review it and then feed back to the, the, the staff to get, get their feedback on, on what, whether they think that will address things in future. So there's a, there's a constant cycle of asking questions, providing answers, checking on the relevance uh, or effectiveness of the solutions, and then embedding it and, and then I- including it in future induction programs or training exercises. Well, I mean, it sounds, I mean, it sounds great. I mean, it's a, and again, I think it's something that, that, you know, the business just doesn't do, doesn't do enough of, you know, even, you know, you know, just I'm trying to trying to relate it to what to what some of the listeners can can work on, but you know, going and doing some maintenance, you know, so going into a into a into a factory, um, um, going to do some maintenance, you know, just sitting down after you've done that maintenance and having a an after action review, you know, just ask those questions, you know, did it, you know, did it did it plan out as we were expecting, or what were the issues, what were the problems, you know, yeah. what went well, what didn't, you know, it's so valuable and yeah. and can provide loads and loads of information on how to. Uh, you know, on how to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, that's really good. What about um, you know, you know, incidents 
for 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 people in the workplace if something goes wrong it's quite a it's quite an unusual and it's quite a rare event for for a person at work to be involved in an accident or an incident you know that's that's quite bad mm-hmm. um and so you know what businesses do is they they you know it, when these things have happened there's often a quite you know some care that is needed for that individual that's been through that uh, through that experience mm-hmm. um with people you know at your end you know you're seeing a lot more of these things because they're they're coming to you how do you how do you as a business deal with that deal deal with the the, the sort of the you know the, the the well-being of your staff from from what they're experiencing mm-hmm. when they come into the uh you know when they're, when they're doing their job yes so that thank you thank you very much obviously there's well-being and wellness has been a big big issue well for the the population in general but uh, particularly for the front end, you know, the, those caring for people in the care homes, um, you know, the emergency departments, uh, it's been quite quite challenging, you know, over the last couple of years. Uh, but but again, I I go back to preparedness. So um, there is a, an element of self selection in people who want to be at the front end or, or the front line. You know, people who go into the military, fire service, police, ambulance, emergency uh, medicine, um, because you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect somebody to go into it if they couldn't stand the sight of blood, for example, <laughs> or you know, yep. they, they feel sick when somebody else is is bleeding or, or sick. So, so it, there's a self-selection there. But having said that, it has been recognized over some years now that you know, you know, it's not really good for people to put on a brave act or you know, act tough, so to speak. Um, and a good a good team leader. Uh, will always make provision for uh, for a debrief of some sort as as early as possible. Uh, some people are not very good with debriefing in a group context. So, you know, if you have five, ten people, there are some people who, by nature, are very introverted or or find it difficult. And it's up to the team leader uh, to try and identify or give people individuals on a one-to-one basis an opportunity to say how they felt about what just happened over the last two hours or three hours that, you know, things were going crazy all around. Now, sometimes it, everything, these things can't be done on the same day, mm-hmm. but, you know, if, if staff are provided with a contact name or email or phone number that they can call, then they can arrange, you know, these, these types of follow-up uh, sessions uh, on their own. Um, now, people might not necessarily take up the offer of speaking to someone or participating in something, but I, I think it's human nature that you know it's like uh, I don't know whether you know your parents are are still ticking along. My mom's uh, eighty one, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm not going to go running to her for every little thing like I used to when I was five years old. But mm-hmm. there there is something inherently you know warming to know that if you did need to go. There is some some facility, individual or process, and I think that's what a lot of uh, good organizations will provide and make sure that the staff are well aware of the of of the resources available. Mm. 
that's a that's a really that's a really great uh, a really great sort of analogy there. You know, my you know my my folks are both in their eighties, and you know mm-hmm. you know, and it's uh, you know you're right. You know the the way that you interact and the way that you deal with them now, you know, well, it changes because of the way that you change as yes. an individual. Yes. And, every, and, every, yes. and everybody's everybody's different, and people yes. people react to things in different way and, and need different support in different ways. So. Yeah, yeah, but you know they they provide you. Hopefully, most most parents will provide their children with their resources and the ability to stand on their own two feet, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is just is just sufficient to know whenever you need it that if you need to, uh, even at chief exec level, if you need to, you know there are many organizations where the chief exec makes it clear in the way they move around, visiting different. Our, our chief exec sometimes, you know, they just have a walkabout through the A and E department, say hello to everybody. And it's it's nice, you know, to have that feeling that, um, you know, your 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 line managers or your you know your chief uh, senior senior managers uh, are happy to be approached if 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 it needs to be. Mm. It's very helpful. I think it's I think it's enormous. It's so important, you know, and you know, for these people to 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 come out of their 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 offices and to come down and and meet the people who are who are the doers the people at the sharp end and and not necessarily talk about work but just talk about them yes. you know and what it is that you know how are they how are they feeling you know what they got yeah. going on in their lives um outside of work is 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 so important yep and uh, and something that, that that we need to do more of you know mm-hmm. so yeah. wow conrad it, it's it's been it's been real pleasure uh, mm-hmm. talking with you um you know thank you uh Thank you so much for coming on uh, and uh, mm-hmm. giving us a, you know, a very, very brief, but a very, very uh, insightful insight into into what it's like at uh, on the other side. You know, we we talk yeah. an awful, we talk an awful lot about uh, trying to prevent stuff, and uh, you know, and and you know, and risk assessments and safe systems of work and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we talk we talk a little bit about uh, you know about you know how to deal with things on site, but then. You know, when the person gets in the ambulance or goes away, it often gets forgotten about you know what happens uh, what happens after that. Yeah. So to, to, to give us that insight into some of the things that uh, you know that you um, that you have to deal with um, has been has been really really valuable. So uh, yeah, really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. And um, um, if if people um, if people want to get hold of you, um, if you know what's the, what's the best way if they wanted to have a chat with you or a catch up on uh, you know what it is that you do. Oh well, I'm not. Uh, I don't have a, a website or anything. I'm just a, a jobbing NHS doctor. Um, uh, I, I think I'll I'll pass on. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to create something and pass it on to you. I'm, hey, I'm, not, sure, I'm not sure my NHS email inbox is uh, <laughs> is quite ready no, for, the, for such no, an inbox. Yes. No, I appreciate. I appreciate that, and um, you know, and you know, I really. You know, thank thank you very much for coming on, and um, in and good luck, um, good luck with uh, with with your with your career. Okay, all right. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you for having me, Conrad. Thank you so much for spending some time on the show with us. It's just really lovely. It was like really lovely to uh, to have you on. Um, there's there was one line in there that just really resonated with me, and I, I mean we spoke about it in the call. Um, but being ready for the unknown is not about knowing what the unknown is. It's about trusting your systems, and uh, and I think there's an awful lot that we can learn from that. You know, whether it be you know risk assessments, whether it be safe systems of work, emergency procedures, whatever it may be. You know, you're not going to be able to actually document absolutely every eventuality, but what you need to do is you need to have good processes, good systems in place to manage things. You know, um, you know when adversity strikes. You know, it's how you manage it, how you work your way through it. 
And um, and I just think you you demonstrate that absolutely perfectly when you were talking about your scenario in uh, in accident emergency. So hey, look, you know it was absolutely wonderful having to thank you ever so much. Um, and Conrad has, uh, has sent a um, LinkedIn. I think is really the best way if you do want to contact him, if you do want to uh, uh, engage and, and take the conversation on a little bit further. Um, but please don't don't stuff up his uh, his NHS email. <laughs> so um, anyway. Um, thank you ever so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode and see you again really soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilised in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage.